Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 156 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we discussed the upcoming Windows version 10 and the Windows platform in general. In this episode, we want to talk about a recent meme on podcasts, namely the the general belief, it seems these days, that we have entered the golden age of podcasting. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll be discussing whether or not we are indeed in a golden age of podcasting, or maybe this is just some idea cooked up by the media to generate additional news. In our second segment, we will check in with Dennis about his experience so far with the Apple Watch, and as usual, we will end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first, let's talk about the notion that we are in uh, what some are calling the golden age of podcasting. Uh, You know, the idea itself of podcasting has been around for a while. It's been around for well over 10 years, and it seems like it's only now that people are, I guess the mainstream people are really starting to pay attention to podcasting. You and I, Dennis, have been podcasting, I think, is it seven years now? You started in 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. So yeah, it, it could be 2006 even. Yeah, it seems it seems like old news to us, frankly. But uh, Dennis, are, are we in a golden age? Uh, or, or do you find that most people still don't know what podcasts are? Well, I Googled it and the uh, golden age of podcasting. And recently there have been a lot of comments uh, referring to a golden age of podcasting. I Googled resurgence of podcasting and got a similar number of, uh, of hits. So that is, is sort of interesting. And I, I think that's why we, we decided to talk about it because one, it always seems like when something hits the golden edge, it's, it seems like we've been, you know, involved in it for a long time. You know, I think we were recently talking about the golden edge of blogging, you know, and and it always seems like we're like a little bit before that. It'd be nice if we kind of hit things in the golden, or, you know, like our appearance was made at the golden edge, but it always seems like it's something that comes well after we've we've been into into these things. So I think that for me, I, I can kind of point to one thing that I think uh, led to this, and that's the uh, the serial podcast, which became kind of a phenomenon. And I know, Tom, you listened to it. I actually uh, did not listen what? to those to those podcasts. What? It's not my subject matter, man. You mean and the law is not your subject matter? Yeah, you know, I, I get a lot of law at work. It's criminal. So it's, you <laughs> get a lot of criminal law and murder at work. It's very interesting. Okay. No, it's, right, it's, right. so it's not totally my thing, but but I think that there was so much interest in that it got people thinking about podcasts. But I think in a distorted sort of way, which we can talk about, which because I think that it's has that fabulous NPR production value. It's done as stories, and I think it really started to make people think that oh, podcasts are this sort of form of radio 
that's downloadable. You can listen to it when you want, all kind of classic podcasting traits, but they're very professional, you know, radio stories, perhaps of an extended form, you know, with a beginning, middle and end, a little bit of mystery and professional uh, podcasters behind it. And so I think that pulled people in, but I, I it sort of, I think, gives people uh, a distorted view of what podcasting is. But to me, that's what I point to that sort of led to the resurgence of podcasting. So I'm going to agree with you that the serial podcast was a catalyst in what might be a resurgence or golden age of podcasting. But I'm going to argue that actually what was the cause of it, and and, and that is something that is... Um, that is new, newer now than it was when podcasting first came out is, uh, is the idea that content, whether it's video content or audio content, can be recorded in a different way and made available in a different way. We're all consuming things on Netflix now, on Hulu. Um, we're looking at YouTube videos. We're not looking at broadcast TV as much. People are consuming information in different ways. And when they saw, oh, wait, we could do the same exact thing with audio. Uh, I think that had a lot to do with it is to say, look, this is a way that we can uh, in asynchronous time and, and we don't have to worry about when it's actually broadcast. We can download these programs and we can uh, and we can listen to them at our leisure. In fact, what I thought was interesting after the serial ended was that I started to see a lot of articles out there uh, that were very similar to what you might see with people who watch like Orange is the New Black or House of Cards on Netflix, which is now that you finish Serial, here are other podcasts that you can binge listen to. And it was all about trying to catch up on a story. And, and, and I don't know that I think that kind of leads to what I would call the distortion is that uh, is that people think that now all podcasts are like Serial, which you know is unfortunate because Serial is, is a fantastically produced podcast. It's professionally done, but it tells a coherent story and I would tell you that probably most of the podcasts I listen to are only serials in that they come regularly but they are not necessarily telling a coherent story and so I I mean I think that there, to a certain extent there is distortion but I also like the fact that serial for whatever it's worth has gotten more people interested in the idea of podcasts and we're actually I think seeing more and more podcasts and more people doing podcasts than we've ever seen. Well, and I think the the other thing is, is the, yeah, right. I think we've moved to this on-demand world, and, and it's sort of rare that I listen to radio anymore, but you're just sort of blown away by the how much there is in the way of commercials and and, and stuff. It's really hard to say. I, you just like, I just want to hear a story or, you know, I want to get the news or whatever. Uh, same thing watching TV where it seems like the commercial blocks are four minutes long and it's almost impossible to watch TV without, uh, you know, DVRing it. Uh, so, so I think that was an appeal to people. And then, then I think the content providers, and I think NPR has just done fabulous job with with podcasts. But to repurpose, you know, stories, combined shows. Uh, it, so there's really high quality content out there, and and it's really well produced. I think the sort of the big things in the also are the 
the growth of podcast networks. So you can find uh, a bunch of related podcasts that are good all in one place. So that's easier to find. The tools to both produce podcasts and to find them and listen to them have gotten better. And I, I think, Tom, we're also seeing in the legal world and elsewhere that the marketing strategists are pointing to podcasts as a great way to market products and services. Well, I mean, as you pointed out on a, on a podcast, on our podcast a number of weeks ago, you, you were pointing out Dave Weiner's new notion of the five-minute podcast and, and making the argument that it might make more sense to actually go online and record a, a five-minute discussion rather than write a blog post on it. And maybe those marketing strategists are kind of having that same idea that hearing a lawyer talk about things uh, it has a more immediacy and uh, more or maybe some more intimacy of learning who that person is as they talk about things. I don't disagree that that might be something that people are thinking a lot more of. Although I will say, having just written an article about podcasting, it's not easy to find podcasts by lawyers that are... Uh, regular that that they're regularly doing, uh, or that are of of a quality that I m might want to recommend. I would say that I could count only about. Uh, notwithstanding, I think you know the podcasts on the Legal Talk Network are all very well produced. They are regular content. Once you get outside that network structure, I probably couldn't count more than ten legal related podcasts that I might recommend to friends uh, to take a look at if they were interested in law related. Podcasts. Podcast. So uh, I'll come back and ask you the question, what else has changed? We, we've talked about podcasting on this show before. What has changed since the last time we talked about it in terms of podcasting that, uh, that might be worth mentioning? Well, I, I think what's changed is people have, have figured out ways to make money off of podcasting. And, and so you see it in the networks. You see that people are coming up with, uh, you know, making a part of marketing strategy. Um, also, I think that people, have, like you say, it is hard to write a blog, especially over a sustained period of time. And I think that both of us now find it a lot easier to do podcasts than, than to blog or even to write articles at this point. So all of those, I think, have given us appeal. And then also, I think that uh, it's the smartphone world, right? So that you say, now with my smartphone, I can download podcasts, you know, once I learn how to do that. And I can play them in my car, I can do it when I work out, because I have this one device that does everything that's with me all the time. And I can find podcasts, of, or I can have podcasts recommended to me that sort of fit you know, my commute, my workout time, or I may have more extended things. And I, I think, Tom, you and I, and probably me even more than you are at the extreme in using podcasts, because I think they're incredibly valuable. And I think it's really opened the world of the audio learners. You know, people learn and they like to learn things in different ways and they like to consume content in different ways. I'm clearly an audio person. A lot of people I know are video people, but you can't watch video in the car, at least until we get driverless cars. And, and so I think those things have, have come together. And then it is that sort of TiVo notion, DVR notion that we get radio content, but we can, we can shift it to the time we want to use it and we can get it on demand. So even like NPR and stuff do 
point to the notion, ESPN as well, do point to this notion of you can get the content that you want and listen to it at the time that's most convenient to do, to you. And I think that's what's really caught on with podcasting. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that, um, you know, and we, we asked the question, is this really the golden age of podcasting? I think I would really prefer to think of this, to, to me, golden age suggests that it will never be this way again, that, that we've hit the, the apex or the, the height of the age of podcasting. And I guess I would prefer to think about this as maybe the renaissance of podcasting, that it's a, a rebirth, that uh, people are finding new interest in it. And by finding new interest in it, maybe we find new ways to deliver information, to consume information, to share information and do it through the audio format rather than a written format. And so I think that there's a lot of a lot of good possibilities that are out there. I mean, do we have do you have recommendations for for lawyers who are, you know, might want to think about a podcast? What would what kind of advice would you give them if if somebody heaven forbid, email the show and asked uh, what we would think about uh, to uh, uh, start a podcast. So there's a couple of things. And I, I think the, what can happen when you focus too much on serial as the classic example of a podcast right. is is that you lose the sense of diversity of all the different things that podcasts can do. And, and, and I still look back on uh, some of the earliest days of podcasts when, you know, Denise Howell was doing a podcast while stuck on the freeway in California and just talking in like the crappiest recording device you can imagine. And it was great. Steve Dembo in Chicago would do the same thing. Just I'm doing a podcast while I'm driving home from work. And it was utterly compelling stuff. Now, I don't think you can do that stuff because I mean, it's harder to do that because sound quality does matter. But I, but I think that people don't have a sense of all the variety. So even if you look at the Legal Talk Network, our show is sort of unique because we don't do interviews. It's just the two of us talking in a structured format. You have the interview shows. You have recordings of live events and seminars that are turned to podcasts. You have, uh, you know, ESPN does shows, NPR does shows or segments of shows. BBC has a lot of different content. There, there's panel discussions. Mm, talk there's shows, author, everything. Yeah. Author readings, talk shows. Uh, I love the thing that we were, you know, you were talking about in reference to Orange is New Black, but the, the podcasts are just a panel of people right after a TV show is on talking about the the latest episode, you know, and there's just a whole variety of content uh, out there and approaches in podcasting. I, I think that people don't totally realize. And so I worry a little bit as we move into, you know, where the marketing people are suggesting, oh, this podcast could be a good thing for lawyers. And I think they could. Uh, but I, I worry that like in the blog world, people are saying, oh, you need to do X format you know, and not do these things. Well, I, I think we're, whether we're in a golden age or not, we're still in a, a time of experimentation where you can really try a, a bunch of different things. So that's what I would say. If you're thinking about doing a podcast, you got to listen to a lot of different kinds of podcasts, figure out what makes sense for you. The logistics of doing a podcast can be tricky. That's why it's nice to kind of figure out 
a way to get into one of the podcasting networks and come up with a you know a, a show that fits a certain niche uh, that really appeals to you, and then understand how much work is involved in in doing a regular podcast, which is quite a bit of work. Yeah, and I think that's where my I could offer a bunch of different tips, but I'm going to focus on really one uh, and, and come back to what you you said at the beginning, which is make sure that you have good enough quality equipment. I won't say to go out and buy the finest microphone known to man, um, but make sure because there's lots of I think very good microphones that you can buy for not a lot of money that will record your voice in a professional way because I, I, I think you're right. The days of, of hearing people uh, on the phone or on really bad microphones, um, our expectations are just so high. In fact, I listen to podcasts now and, and I hear someone calling in on the phone and it's offensive to me for some reason. I want to say, why didn't that person have a microphone? Why can't they all... Uh, get together online somewhere and t and talk, you know, like you and I are on Skype right now at, at recording this, and uh, it just is, it's kind of offensive to me. So uh, invest in the right in the right equipment, but I think that the, the caveat to that or the consequence of investing in that kind of, uh, of equipment is if you're committing to producing at least a reasonable to high quality podcast, you're making a time investment too, because you're going to want to make sure that the editing is right, that everything sounds good. You're going to either want somebody to help you with it or you're going to want to take the time to be able to go in and, and do it yourself. It's not impossible to do. It's not rocket science to learn how to do it. It's just time consuming. And I think that's the one thing that people who want a podcast really need to consider uh, when they do it because it, it can take, unless you you know unless you have a great team like the Legal Talk Network doing it for you, it, it can be a time consuming effort. Well, it is, you know, it used to be, I think the, the equipment issue was a lot harder. Now, I mean, I just, if, if somebody is interested in podcasts and I look at, you know, what, what I'm using here, Tom, and what I think the same thing you use, you get like the, the basic Sure 58 uh, microphone, uh, which is the standard, you know, standard professional microphone, uh, USB adapter, Audacity is a free program, and your podcast is going to sound great. Uh, what you got to watch out for, I think, is, and I think why we've had a little difficulty of, of the interview format is you're right. I, sound quality can be a, a problem if you're listening to podcasts. And so I'm like you, Tom, if I hear an interview show and there's a call in and I can tell it and you can tell it's a Skype call and either the sound quality of the call is bad where it's hard to understand or it's dropping out or something. I usually don't finish listening to those to those podcasts. And the other thing that you run into on those is this big sound uh, or volume gap. So it could be that the host is really loud and then the interview or the guest is on Skype and you can't hear them very well, so you turn it up and then the guest really blows you out, you know, when you're you're doing a thing. And and there are simple, simple ways to do that. But it's nice to have a produced podcast. Um, and I have friends who tell me that you can find sound engineers who've for them doing podcasts is like the easiest work in the world and they won't charge you very much to clean up a podcast recording and make it sound sound great so there are a lot of tools out there and i think it's way easier time than we started but um so in that way i think it is uh the ease of entry uh 
given that you have to you know good sound quality is makes it that that's one aspect where i think it's a golden age of podcasting the other thing is just the sheer volume and variety of podcasts right now which uh which i do think has never been better well but let, let me come back for a second to say that i have recorded uh several interviews by Skype and we've all connected on Skype and the the recording tools for recording on Skype actually pretty good these days and I will say that the recording quality, you know, you're you at the mercy of your internet connection, and so that can be an issue. But assuming that you all have good connections and come through just fine, I've had I've been real pleased with those results. I agree with you about the volume levels being uh, being different, or one being loud and one being soft. But that again is something that's a tool like Audacity can manage, and you can level those out and uh, make sure that all those sound levels are the same. So again, I think you're right, Dennis. It it, it we've gone from world where um, the the technology was was expensive and hard to get to um, and to a world where it's much cheaper and easier to and more accessible but you still have some considerations that you need to think about let's let's flip it around and maybe talk about listening to podcast uh, listening to them uh, any any update we've we've talked about kind of the podcast we recommend in the past but but any update now now that we're in a in what everybody likes to think of as a golden age of podcasting uh, any advice for for people who are interested in listening or who may be already listening and to want to up their game a little bit? Well, I, there are a number of podcast players, but I, I think a lot of people are going to either go out and find podcasts uh, or you know run into them, or they're going to find them through iTunes, which is probably, for most people, is going to be the easiest and best ways. And I've mentioned this before, because I'm such a believer in this e these days, is that just using the search feature uh, for podcasts in the iTunes store uh, is really an amazing resource these days. And I I do a lot of things like if uh, there's a business book, I'm not sure I want to buy the book or whatever, I can usually find a podcast where that author is interviewed and I can hear the, like the main points of that, that book, decide whether it's something I want to buy or read. I can find, uh, you know, information on specific specific topics to get me up to speed really quickly, especially on technologies. And so that's a great search tool. HuffDuffer is another search tool to find podcasts. Uh, and and then I think it's sort of like the days of blogging too. Once you find some podcasts, you're usually going to find that they'll mention other podcasts and you can sort of build th these things out. But I, I, it's a great there's a lot of things to explore, and it, I think it will just amaze people how many podcasts are out there and the information you can get, and then also how many different podcasting formats and styles really work well. I, I, that's what's really astounding to me. Like how many the, the podcasts I like are can be very different, and it's just it's just amazing. So it's a case of if you show personality, you show good content. I mean, it's like blogging. It's a voice of the individual and if that comes through you can have a great podcast if you overthink it um, it's i think it's you might get an audience earlier on but i think it's harder to hold it 
Yeah, I, as far as recommendations for me, I, I agree with you. I think I think the iTunes podcast directory is probably the most complete location for, for podcasts anywhere on the internet. I'm sad that that's the case because iTunes is not uh, my favorite tool on my computer. So I, I, probably not surprisingly, don't use it all that often to look for podcasts. I, um, I've been very pleased because interestingly, even though they have a great podcast directory, Apple's podcast app, I think, is what I would consider to be average at best in terms of its features and and its abilities. Uh, I recently had uh, a friend ask for recommendations on a on podcast apps, and I've been doing some research lately. And I think my favorite app and the one that I use for my Android phone is called Pocket Casts. Pocket Casts is available also for iOS. Although I understand that people who have iOS phones prefer, for the most part, using uh, Overcast. Overcast is a very cool app I downloaded on my iPad. I really like it. But one thing that I don't like as much on Overcast as on Pocket Cast is the discovery tool. You can, Pocket Cast has got uh, featured podcasts, trending podcasts, the top 100 in terms of popularity. It's got podcast networks that you can look for. It's quite a a comprehensive app. It probably doesn't have in its directory the the same number that iTunes has, but it's got a lot of stuff. And so if you're looking for a tool or an app that you can listen to podcasts on when you're outside of the Apple universe and you want to you want to have an independent app that works on both an Android or an iOS phone, uh, Pocket Cast is a great uh, great purchase. It's only 3.99, so it's not a big deal. I think, you know, there are a lot of other other, other apps out there, but uh, you know, that's kind of my my best advice is to get a good podcasting app and then start listening to the podcasts the way that Dennis recommends. And I think uh, I think you're getting to experience uh, some of the well, I, I don't really want to call it the golden age, but maybe a renaissance in podcasting. Yeah, I mean, I, I experimented with Overcast. I didn't stick with it. I mean, I sort of lived in the iTunes world and the Apple, you know, podcasting app for so long, it's hard for me to get out of old habits. But yeah, I, I do think that when you first start, some of those recommended podcasts uh, are an okay way to go, you know, because you can talk to people about podcasts and but we're totally biased and I'm totally biased on this. But if you're a lawyer and you're you want to see what can be done with legal podcasts, I mean the legal talk network is clearly the easiest way to see a lot of, of I think very high quality legal podcasts. And so you can sort of dive in there a little bit, get a get a feel for that and then sort of expand out, get some ideas and 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 then explore uh, other legal podcasts as well. And and ultimately I think you can find your own niche. And I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. 
All right. You know that we like to be on the cutting edge here at the Kennedy Mile Report. So we tend to go the extra mile to obtain the technologies you want to know more about. Uh, or maybe we just want cool gadgets uh, and get them for ourselves and play with them. And, and so for Dennis, Dennis has been uh, first coveting and now walking around wearing his brand new Apple Watch for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I was wondering if he was ready to talk about his experiences so far. Dennis is two weeks too soon to give us a review. Uh, I would say, as we lawyers like to say, yes and no. I think that I am always hesitant uh, to rely too much on the early reviews. So I like to see when people come back after they've been using something for a while. And and I think it is fair to, to uh, say, Tom, that I did go the extra mile and sacrificed for our audience to get an Apple Watch for my myself. Um, and so I'm experimenting with that. So the experience so far has been positive, but it's been, I decided to take a really thoughtful approach to the watch because I think it is a new platform that uh, it makes sense to go slow. I've also learned from my experience with smartphones and iPads and stuff that the notion of downloading a zillion apps and installing them is probably not the way to go on a watch. So I'm taking a go slow approach. I'm uh, kind of sticking with the standard apps for now and then seeing what kind of bubbles up as something that might work for me. So I'm, it's really an experiment for me. So the experience has, has been great. I got the cheapest uh, or almost the cheapest watch, the sports watch. Uh, it's black band. It's interesting. I've had uh, two people ask me if I'm wearing an Apple Watch, and that's all. Both of them were my brothers, uh, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. And so I think it looks like a normal watch. Um, and and there is a kind of interesting way that you put it on because it sort of tucks underneath in a way, but you get used to that really quickly. The The band itself has a nice feel to it. So I'm, I haven't worn a watch for a long time and, and I like using it. There's sort of two things that I was looking for that people have talked about in using a watch. And so one is notifications. Um, and I like that. So, cause I can see that I'm getting a text message or a phone call without taking the phone out of my pocket or off the table beside me. I like that aspect of it. I like the notifications on the health app, which I'll go into a little bit more detail in a second, um, which alerts me to things like I've been sitting too long and I need to get up and stand, um, and, and some other things like that. There's also a second thing called glances, which you swipe up, uh, on the, the watch face and there's about eight to ten things that it, you can learn by doing that so you can quickly see how much battery is left the current temperature and weather uh, your pulse rate uh, you know a number of things like that and so that's another interesting area of the watch so what people are saying the functionality of the watch uh, will be most interesting for people and what the apps will exploit are this notion of notifications and of glances as as they call them so I'm thinking in terms of that. The health thing is the main thing that I've used. So I can do something where I can set a movement target and it figures out the calories that I'm burning during the day. I can also track exercise. It did a really nice job. I compared it to end of my Endomondo app on my uh, 
iPhone when I was doing bike rides and the mileage came out very similar. The calories seem to be calculated a little bit different, but that's okay with me. Um, and so you set calorie amounts, exercise amounts, and then it tries to get you to stand once an hour for at least 12 hours during the day. And it's really interesting how that small amount of feedback uh, really uh, causes you to do some things. And that's... So that's what I've I've used so far. What I've noticed is because of that, there's a couple apps that I'm now interested in that I think will take advantage of the watch. And so one, I believe, is I, I want to try to drink more water, which I hate doing. And so I, I think a water intake app that's on my watch that kind of fit with those those health alerts would be a good thing. And then the other thing that I think could be useful on a watch as opposed to on a phone is I'm a big tea drinker and, and the notion of a tea timer, you know, tied to the different types of tea that I use, I think could be useful. So those would probably be the first two apps that I explore. But that's time my my approach is go slow, kind of see what reveals itself. Completely new approach to technology for me, by the way. Well, I think we've talked about on the podcast before that I've been wearing an Android Wear watch um, for some time now. And I will say that I've had a lot of people ask me if I'm wearing an Apple Watch. Uh, a lot more than two. I've been having them ask me for several months, even before the Apple Watch even came out. I had people asking me if I was wearing it. And I guess I guess my, um, my experience has been the same. So I, I've been reading with great interest the reviews and what people are saying about the watch. And, and it's interesting to me um, to find, I think, a very thoughtful range of opinions about it where some people are, are saying, well, I just kind of like using it as a watch and actually looking at it. And some people who are using it for a lot of the things that you talk about, but I, I still go back to, to what I said about Android Wear is, is that I think that one of the primary benefits of having a watch like this is to reduce reliance on the phone, of having to use the phone, because right now we spend so much time on the phone that it can be a distraction, but but being able to, to swipe away a text message or a phone or, or, or something like that without having to pick up the phone and spend the time, I think, is tremendously convenient. I will notice one thing, and I don't know, Dennis, if you've had this issue in the past uh, two weeks or so, but I will say that if I look at a notification on my phone, it gets less attention where I've, at least on two occasions, got a notification on my watch, and I went to go look at it, and I, I was in a room where someone was talking and in both occasions they looked at me and said oops well guess we're boring someone because he keeps looking at his watch and I wasn't looking at the time I was looking at the notification so I think we may have entered into a different uh, world of uh, of issues by looking at the looking at the watch instead of the phone so I I've noticed that that was an interesting uh, I guess complication of using these types of wearables but I'm, I'm glad the Apple watch is out there I think it's going to make Android watches step up their game and offer new things. And I, I think that Apple watches, from what I've seen, it's got a little bit of a ways to go. It's very much a brand new product and it's got some uh, maturing and sophistication, but I fully expect Apple to rise to that challenge. Well, I, just a, a couple of things. I, I think that the interesting thing about the Apple watch is how well it does work as, as a watch. So that that was one thing. The other thing I've noticed is how hard with uh, watches and wearables it is to demo the features for somebody. So 
Like if you're trying to show somebody what's going on with the Apple Watch, you kind of have to hold your arm in a funny way, and it's really difficult to get people to do it. And then the parlor trick that people really like is when you can call them through your watch and talk to them on their phone. So people really love that, but typically you're doing it while they're standing about three feet from you. So (laughs) it's kind of a weird uh, demo to, to do. So... Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So I'm going to come back to our first topic of podcasting to talk about a company called Narro. N-A-R-R-O. What Narro does is uh, it uh, assumes that you don't have time to read all the articles that you find on the internet that are interesting and that you spend a lot of your time maybe in the car or commuting or exercising or walking the dog. And so what it does is... narrow account will send those articles to a speech recognition engine and create a podcast feed of those articles. And uh, you can select the voice. And I would say the quality is pretty good. It's not perfect. There are some issues with with what I've heard, but I would say that I am one of those people who I I tend to save a lot more articles than I have time to read, and I've been really enjoying listening to that content um, as a podcast. I will say that I'm not a fan of their business model right now. Right now, the free account gives you 20 articles per month. If you want to, if you read more than 20 articles per month, you've got to pay $8 a month, which seems a little high for me. to, to have that. But um, I think it's a great way to uh, consume information in a different way. Uh, it's called Narrow, N-A-R-R-O dot C-O. I, I think that whole area is really interesting right right now, Tom. So I, I'm intrigued by Narrow, but other things as well are, are out there. Brett McKay was a law student, and he started a blog called The Art of Manliness, which, uh, uh, you know, focused on things like you know, best razors to use and, and other things. And it grew into a business that he and his wife have done. I don't know that he's ever practiced law, but uh, it's obviously targeted to men, but there's great information for everybody. One of the things that's been on my list to do for, God, it seems like a couple of years, and I, I have the best of intentions, is to clean out and organize my garage. Well, on, on the Art of Manliness blog recently, and we'll put the side, it was on uh, June 30th, uh, there was a post called How to Organize Your Garage. And it has, a you know, like everything else that Brett's done on Art of Manliness, a lot of great practical tips on, you know, what kind of shelves to use and where to store things and what's the best way to handle things to give yourself more space and put the garage together. So actually, it's a, a great motivation tool and something I'm vowing to do somewhere along the line if St. Louis weather cooperates sometime this summer. (laughs) So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes uh, or in your favorite podcast app or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, please email us at tcamreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I am Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, 
The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.